Hello and welcome to this summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Today we will rebroadcast an interview with Kimberly Spears about heroic media and the work that they do with pro-life advertising. And we also speak with Bishop Paul-André Durocher of the Diocese of Alexandria Cornwall about two new Vatican documents. We listen to singer Angelica and we also listen to singer-songwriter John Michael Talbot. But we begin with Heroic Media. Last weekend, mobile billboards and crowd ambassadors encouraged hundreds of thousands of pro-life march participants at the Walk for Life West Coast in San Francisco to text opinions about abortion as part of a new nationwide poll. Now, this same strategy was used again on Monday at the March for Life 2011 in Washington, D.C. Behind this initiative was Heroic Media. They are a faith-based, life-affirming organization in the United States. And to tell us more about it, we're joined by Kimberly Spears. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Kim. Thank you so much, Pedro. We appreciate it. So, Heroic Media, just give me the, the, the brief overview. Who, uh, overview. Who are you? What do you do? Why you do it? Heroic Media is a faith-based nonprofit that places mass media advertisements to help women who are facing crisis pregnancies find hopeful alternatives. We found that most young women, um, at least in America, and from what I understand in Canada, they usually know where the nearest abortion facility is. We just want to make sure that they know where all the positive alternatives are. So it's very specific, uh, aimed at, at women who are pregnant? or Correct. Our, our messages, our advertisements are research-based, and they focus on women 18 to 34, since they have 80% of the abortions. Okay, and why heroic? Actually, that's a, that's a neat uh, story, a neat explanation, is because we celebrate the heroism of motherhood, and we use media to reach out to those women. And as an adoptive mom myself, um, I know that my birth mom is, is a true hero to me, and, and all moms really are heroes to the, the great sacrifices that they make for their children. Does that come out of the idea that maybe some uh, pro-abortion-minded people will say, oh, you can't handle this pregnancy, it's too hard? So have an abortion, whereas we're, you're telling women, we're telling women, too, that, no, you can do it because you're a, you're a hero. You can have this pregnancy. It's not the end of the world. Exactly. We, we try to stay as positive and hopeful and upbeat as we can. And when people say, you're too young, you're not capable, you've got all these issues, we're trying to say, you are capable. You are an amazing child of God, and you've got all these wonderful gifts and opportunities, and you are capable of loving this child and providing him or her with the best life that you can. So, so tell me what uh, your strategy was for the, uh, for the two marches on, in, in San Francisco and in Washington. What was different about is, your approach? This is the first time that we do anything like this, and so we're really excited about it. We are trying to involve people in the whole pro-life conversation to kind of build a pro-life community. And so we had, um, let's see, there were seven um, banners, and, and as you mentioned, they were mobile billboards and crowd ambassadors. They had this on their shirts, okay. and they were asking folks to text certain messages just to get people's opinions on different issues. So, and who are they texting? Um, they are texting, well, basically, ultimately, it's going to be coming to Heroic Media so that we can see um, what their comments are. Um, some, of the, some of them focus on mainstream media might be focusing on the abortion issue, but are they looking at it in a way that promotes a culture of life, or are they instead promoting a culture of abortion? Um, which do you think? You know, and then you text certain words, 
to certain numbers so that we can keep track of what your vote is, what you think is happening regarding okay. the different issues. So, so they were answering to specific questions. Right. For example, one of them says uh, the majority of Planned Parenthood's abortion clinics are located in what neighborhoods? Text mm. black or Hispanic two and then eight two two five seven. And the reason that we're doing that is because um, seventy to eighty percent of the abortion facilities, at least in the United States, are specifically focused in minority neighborhoods, right. and they're having an overwhelming majority of the abortions, which is really, really sad. And so we're trying to reach out to those communities. So it's an interesting way to let people know that uh, abortions might be targeted to those specific communities. Mm-hmm. Okay, I yeah. see. Now, it might be too early f- to know any of the results of the poll, but is that information that's going to be coming out anytime soon? Well, it'll probably be a couple months. We're still collecting data because a number of folks are still going to the website. I encourage your listeners, if they have the opportunity, to go to the website and and vote um, and and text whatever they think um, should be done. And um, we're going to be collecting that. It'll probably be a couple months. But as soon as we have the poll results, we will certainly let you know. Good, for sure. Yeah, do let me know, and we'll uh, let people know what the results are. Um, uh, Just a note for anyone that might be tuning in at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. We're speaking with Kim Spears of Heroic Media. Um, in the United States, uh, you are, is it fair to say that you're mainly an advertising agency? Is That's that... probably the easiest way to explain what we do. Um, is it, We are kind of like an advertising agency for the pro-life community, but ultimately we have two goals. Our first goal is to connect women who are facing unexpected pregnancies with hopeful alternatives. Uh-huh. And our second goal is to create, as John Paul II called it, a culture of life. Um, it's, it's, think about it. Life is the most precious gift that we have from God. And what, what's wrong or what could be bad about creating a culture that celebrates that? So we're trying to really focus on, on the positives. So you run uh, uh, billboards, uh, television ad- ads, that sort of thing, posters, magazine ads, everything? Right. Each, each market is a little bit different depending on what is, is going to be the most effective in that particular market. But, but overall, there's three main types of, of uh, media that we use. The first one is going to be television, and that's where we get the best results. Yes. Is, is through television commercials. And then we use outdoor, whether it's billboards or bus signs or anything like that. Um, we'll use those. And then the third one is Internet, um, because a lot, of, a lot of young people, that's the first place they turn for information. And you pay, uh, well, somebody pays for the, for the advertising, obviously. Where do you get your funding? Well, yeah, we are a nonprofit, and so that's, that's something that we're always, looking, we're always looking for is, hey, can you help support us in this effort? Mass media is extremely effective. You know this. You work in yes. media in creating um, a culture around a particular issue. But if you're going to reach your target audience and do it effectively with frequency and reach, it costs a lot of money. Yes. And so, so our campaigns, especially in bigger markets like Chicago or, or Miami or Dallas or Houston, those are some pretty big markets. Um, and we need to generate roughly a million dollars a year in those markets in order to effectively reach these young women. So then, in, in, in essence, you are raising the money to support pro-life organizations who might not have the resources to run their own ads so that you can support right. them in spreading the word. And so how does it work? Let's say, let's say, is there like a generic 1-800 number that works for across the states and could maybe even work in Canada? Or do you have specific, can the campaigns I believe be... That, I believe that it does work in Canada, but the, the main number, and there's a bunch of them, the main one is 1-800-395-H-E-L-P, okay. which would be 4357. Yeah. 
Okay, and that's a number that anyone can call and doesn't matter where they are and they will be put in touch with the local, I guess, uh, pro-life pregnancy center. pregnancy center in their area. Um, right. So it, uh, maybe maybe it's it's it, people are interested in watching some of your commercials or even some of the billboards. Maybe they they want to they have a website and they want to put one of the banners on their website. They can go to their website heroicmedia.org and you have samples there of the commercials and everything available there, right? We really do, and, and we strongly encourage folks to go and check them out and share their opinions. Um, I, I personally love them um, from a communications perspective and, of course, from a pro-life perspective. But yeah. we need to remember that these messages are not targeted towards pro-lifers. They're targeted towards young women who might be considering abortion. Okay. Um, and that's what I think really makes them great. Okay, so that's very specific. Now, you've, um, I know that you're based in, in Austin, but you've talked about campaigns in Chicago or Dallas, Miami. Um, do, have you had the uh, the luxury, I guess, of knowing what results are in, in a place where you run a campaign to see results in terms of of numbers of abortions dropping or any changes? Well, the only market that we have been in for a long period of time is Austin. We opened our doors in Austin in two thousand and four, and we have been um, we've been tracking the abortion ratio since then. And this is what's really exciting. Austin is probably one of the most abortion-friendly markets in the southwest United States. Really? And the abortion ratio here has dropped more than 20% since wow. we opened our doors. And we are so thankful to God for that. So it's just letting, giving people another option, really. Exactly. Yeah, nice. Um, Kim, I think that's all the time we have. But uh, uh, thank you for what you do. I, being in media... I, I, I completely agree with how important it is to, to reach the masses um, and to do it in a way. And it's, it's just too bad that it's so expensive. We need to do something about that. Make uh, yeah. TV advertising not so expensive. Um, mm-hmm. But again, uh, if I can reiterate to our listeners, go to, your web, to the website heroicmedia.org. Um, commercials are there. You can watch them, see if maybe if you need something special for your own community or your own market, uh, the, the commercials can be customized or maybe you can come up with a special campaign to suit something. And and uh, and because you're there, Kim, to help the pro-life community, the, right. pri- uh, the crisis pregnancy centers. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. God bless. You too. So again, Kim Spears uh, works for Heroic Media. They are a uh, pro-life, life-affirming, faith-based organization uh, based in Austin. Uh, For more information, again, their website, heroicmedia.org. And uh, you can also uh, go and uh, participate in that online poll at the same website, heroicmedia.org. Here now is Angelica with Your Love. It never lets 
That was our featured artist of the week, Angelica, with Your Love from her album Remember Who You Are. Now, there is so much to say about Angelica. She's originally from Romania, and after becoming one of the most popular and well-known singers in that country, she has now made her home in Canada. Her first English-language album, Remember Who You Are, the story behind the song, shows not just her ability as a singer and producer, but also as an author because the album includes a little book of 10 stories that were the inspiration 
for the songs that are on the same album. And joining me now on the phone is Angelica. Angelica, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Oh, thank you so much for having me here, It's so Pedro. good to have you. So, now, you've been singing... I was going to say that you've been singing for such a long time, but I don't want it to, to seem like you're very old, because you're not. <laughs> but you've been singing since you were a little girl, I mean, your whole yes. life. Yes, since I was five years old, yes. And you I have... literally grew up on stage. And you have quite the resume, exactly. I mean, we don't have enough time to say all the things you've done, but if you look back on your life and your career, what, what would you say it's taught you? What would I say? Excuse yeah, what, what has your life and your career taught you? Oh, to keep pushing to keep going for my dream, especially when I, when I came to Canada and I saw the possibilities here. Uh, I mean, it, I, I didn't know how to speak English at all when I first came to Canada. Right. And when I saw how beautiful this country is and all the possibility, I said, I have to keep going. And um, th- my career taught me that um, the most important thing to do is to inspire others and help others through what you do okay. to follow their dream and, and their passion. Can you, look, can, you, can you see people in your life, especially when you were little, growing up, being a singer, that, that, it, that did the same for you, that inspired you to, to motivate you to keep going? Definitely. Many, many people. Yeah. Um, from a very well-known singer-songwriters from back home in Romania yeah. to producers who kept encouraging me to keep going to university teachers, um, and here to all the the stars that are on TV, and they work really, really hard, and just by seeing their efforts and their results inspires me so much. Yeah. Now, on the album, um, on the album notes, on the back cover, you say that you learned, that you've learned that we are all pure spirit, joyful, perfect beings. What, what do you mean by that? I mean that we all come from the same place. Okay. God is is all there is, and we come from the same place. We all have abilities for something. Um, if we just, if we can just um, not worry about other people and just worry about our own life mm-hmm. and put all our energy into that, we will soon discover what our real passion is. And I'm pretty sure that every single person out there has a passion for something that he or she is extremely good at. Right now, sorry, when you say don't worry about other people, you mean don't compare yourself to other people? Don't compare yourself yeah. to other people. Don't look. I'll give you an example. Yes. I'm right now on a book and CD signing tour, and uh-huh. I have a lot of people come to me and say to me, I wish I could sing too. Uh-huh. And I say, don't. Don't wish you could sing. Just look inside, and maybe, maybe the song that you wish would come out of you mm-hmm. wants to come out of you in a different way. Right. Maybe it's not music. Maybe it's something else. Yeah. See, people focus a little bit too much on what they see on TV or what they see in magazines. And, oh, I wish I could be a star. I wish I could be this. But they don't have to because they have their own little diamond in the rough inside. Right. And they, if, it, if, if everybody just puts their attention on that... I'm pretty sure this world would be such a much better place. <laughs> yeah, it would. And, and, and there is a lot of pressure from the media. I, I, had you not become a professional singer and songwriter, would you have been okay with that? Or, or how does that message kind of go hand in hand with the message of kind of follow your dream and pursue your passion? Well, if I did not have um, a talent to sing, if, yeah, okay. if God didn't show me that this is my way, then I would have been something else definitely but that something else would have been my passion i see so i think what i believe is that 
see it. Everybody has a passion for something, and we yeah. just have to find it yeah. and follow it, no matter what. Even though um, you might have, you know, three, four children, and you're in a relationship where you're not very happy, or maybe, um, you know, you consider it's a little bit too late. Even if you do it as a hobby, yeah. it will still make you happier. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, I can see that. Now, just a note for anyone that might be joining at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara, man. We're speaking to our, with our featured artist of the week, Angelica. Um, now, you, you, you said that your, your hope, or I guess maybe if I could say the mission of what you, your, your personal mission is to inspire people. Yes. Would you say that with this new album, that the, the, the you've chosen, that the, the, the songs that you've written and even the booklet that goes with the album, that they fall into that, that mission to, to inspire people? This was my first attempt to do that. Okay. <laughs> it's my very first um, album in English. Uh -huh. I wrote all the lyrics, the music. Um, I debuted as a producer also. Yes. Uh, I debuted as everything in yes. this album except as, as a singer. So... Um, I did my best that I could with this album. I know um, my next one is going to be better because I'm going to put even more focus and more attention into it. But I'm hoping, I can only hope that this CD and book will inspire other people to to look into themselves and, you know, find that passion that they have inside. Yeah. Um, uh, if I may say something. Yes. Um, I know I'm talking about this passion thing a little bit, like a lot. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is that people don't realize, some people don't realize that that is the actual, one of the biggest problems behind every problem that we have in life. Okay. If we don't do what we love, then yeah. we get affected in all other areas of our lives. Yes. And it seems insignificant, probably to some people what I'm saying, but it's not. That's why it's so deceiving. You think this is normal. You know, I have to go to this job and I have to do this because I have to support a family. And that's true. Yes, yes. But it's, it's not as small of a problem as we think it is. Yeah, or people think I have to do this job because I have to make so much money so I can have this big house. Exactly. And maybe it's not, it's yes. not about that. And the truth is that when you do something that you really love, what happens? It's a domino effect that happens. You, you're very good at it because it's your passion. Yeah. That is 100% for sure. You're very good at it. And once you're very good at something, you excel at it. And the time that you put into it is a happy time. Yes. And you'll become better and better. And what's going to happen after? You obviously make even more money. So yeah, no, <laughs> it's that's, a domino effect. That's great advice. Now, the song that we just heard, Your Love... Mm -hmm. It's about, is it about that, finding your passion, your, your own love, or is there a different meaning? Your love um, uh, can be taken as a love song, but yes. the inspiration behind it was God. Okay. I wrote that song for God because I, I feel that He has so much love for us, mm -hmm. and we don't acknowledge it as much as we, I think we probably should. Okay. So that song I wrote for God. Um, and uh, what... I'm just thinking, you obviously have, you have other songs that you've written in Romanian. Actually, no. <laughs> oh, really? So no, I, what happened? <laughs> I never wrote songs. I had such an um, um, inferiority, inferiority complex, you say, Re yes. uh, about writing music. Really? I, yes. My husband encouraged me to write music. I started writing uh, when I was pregnant, actually, with my daughter, uh -huh. um, and about seven and a half years ago. Yeah. And um, the only way I could actually get myself, trick myself into writing a song was to take the writings. I, I used to write for uh -huh. many, many years. So okay. I said, okay, let me take this story 
and see if I can pull out the essence of it and transform it into lyrics. Okay. So I did that, and, and it's, it was so interesting. As soon as the lyrics were done, I had the whole orchestration in my head. Right. And that was such a revelation for me. It's like, wow, so now I can write music, and that's how I wrote all my songs, one after another. Okay, so then that's why there's the booklet, because the booklet exactly. has the, the stories. Yes. And these are stories that you had written throughout your life? Yes, mostly since I immigrated to Canada. Yes. Okay. Yes, and I felt after I finished my album, the album was supposed to be released, and then I had that thing at the back of my mind, you know, like I felt so bad for all these stories that I kind of butchered and just left them, and I said, I have to do something with them. So I, I'm thinking, let me put them in a, in a book form and attach it with a CD. And um, Interesting, this, yeah. this product came out, and... Um, so far, I've been having such good feedback. It is. It's a great idea. Now, um, you just mentioned that you're on in a book signing and concert tour, and I know you're going to be in concert in, in Toronto uh, next week. So tell us yes. a little bit about the concert and the tour. Uh, the tour is um, a book and CD signing and performance tour, which I started on uh, February 5th at uh, selected chapters and Indigo locations okay. uh, in the GTA area. In Toronto. In yes. Toronto, yes. Uh-huh. And um, it will continue until uh, the end of June. Um, also, next week, uh, which is Thursday, May 19th, we're having um, a concert at St. Michael's Cathedral. Also in Toronto, um, okay. Yes, in Toronto. Myself and uh, Canada's three tenors. Yes. And um, it's my first official concert in Toronto. So you're going to be doing some songs from the album, or is it mostly classical music? I'm going to do some songs from the album and mostly classicals that people know, a okay. combination of pop and classical music. Nice. Okay, so then for people who are in the Toronto area, that's at St. Michael's Cathedral next Thursday, May 19th. Angelica will be in concert with Canada's Three Tenors. Uh, you can find out more information about that at Angelica's website. It's IamAngelica.com. I'll put a link on, on our website uh, to that as well. Angelica, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. It's and a very, very nice pleasure speaking yes, with you too. And thanks for sharing your ideas. Great advice there about following our passion. And thanks for sharing your music with us as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. You're very welcome. Again, that was Angelica. And again, the concert is next Thursday, May 19th at St. Michael's Cathedral. If you're in the Toronto area and you'd like to go, find out about tickets at Angelica's website, IamAngelica.com. Here now is Angelica with another song from her album, Remember Who You Are. The song is Givers of Light. Look up, but I 
Welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. This past week, a circular letter published by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith requests bishops from around the world to turn in guidelines for dealing with the sexual abuse of minors by clergy or religious, and they have a year to do so. Also, the Pontifical Commission Ecclesia Dei released the Instruction Universae Ecclesiae, which means to the Universal Church, on the application of the apostolic letter Summorum Pontificum. You probably don't remember, but Summorum Pontificum is the document released by Pope Benedict XVI in 2007, restoring the traditional Latin Mass. Now, earlier this week, I spoke with Bishop Paul-André Durocher of the Diocese of Alexandria, Cornwall, and asked him to explain these two documents. Bishop Paul-André, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Now, tell us, regarding the text Universae Ecclesiae, why is this proclamation being made now? Well, uh, this, uh, this document, Universe Ecclesia, is actually called an instruction. Uh, an instruction is a, a document from Rome uh, that uh, indicates how a law is to be, or a series of law are to be um, uh, followed. Okay. Uh, the law itself was established by uh, Pope uh, Benedict XVI three years ago in a uh-huh. document called Summorum Pontificium, right. in which the Pope allowed a greater use of the celebration according to what uh, he has termed the extraordinary rite. Right. And the extraordinary rite is, um, is a way of celebrating the Mass that uh, people who are older, like myself, could remember from their childhood. It was the way Mass was celebrated throughout the Catholic Church before the Second Vatican Council and the liturgical reform that was determined by the Council. The ordinary rite is the way we've been celebrating since the mid-1960s throughout the world. Uh, So what the Pope is doing is um, indicating, actually it is the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, is indicating how this permission for greater use of the the older rite is to be applied through the dioceses. Okay, so 
how will these changes affect individual parishes? Well, I, I don't think particularly in Canada that this is going to affect particular parishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the permission was given uh, three years ago, and I think that in the various dioceses where there's a sufficient number of people who've indicated a desire to celebrate according to the extraordinary form, uh, there has already been provision for that. For example, uh, in my own diocese in the past three years, I've only received two uh, requests uh, for a celebration in in this um, form. That That is obviously not sufficient to establish uh, celebrations mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've indicated to these two people that uh, in Ottawa, which is not too far away from here, there is a parish where the uh, liturgy is celebrated according to the extraordinary form, and right. this has been going on for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think this new uh, directive, this instruction, will have a huge impact in the ordinary life of parishes. In those dioceses where this, the rite is celebrated presently, I think the, the, the instructions give some greater precision, some indications on various issues that have arisen. For example, uh, can we use uh, the extraordinary rite for the celebration of confirmation, for marriage, for baptism, uh, for the other sacraments? What to do during Holy Week? Can priests use uh, the um, older form of the briefery. These issues are also uh, studied uh, within uh, this instruction. But the ordinary is also in Latin? Well, we can celebrate the uh, ordinary rite in Latin. Certainly it is done often in Rome, in international uh, uh, gatherings. I've celebrated the Mass in Latin in the ordinary rite. Yeah. So the difference between the ordinary and the extraordinary is uh, forms are not so much at the level, well, Latin certainly because uh, the extraordinary form, the language is Latin, though I must admit one of the interesting aspects of this uh, new instruction is that even within the extraordinary form, the liturgy of the word can still be proclaimed uh, in the language of the people. But uh, there are many other differences between the two forms. Um, uh, For example, uh, the readings that are used from Sunday to Sunday uh, in the extraordinary form, there is no uh, proclamation of an Old Testament text. The cycle of readings is on one year instead of in three. There are numerous other ritual differences Uh between the two. So a priest who celebrates in the extraordinary uh, form must have the proper training and the proper knowledge of Latin to be able to do that. Right, so it won't be a big change. I don't expect that this is going to entail uh, Uh much impact in ordinary parish life in Canada, no. Now, just a note for anyone tuning in at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and we're speaking with Bishop Paul-André Durocher. Now, regarding the text concerning acts of pedophilia, what are some changes concerning the protocol or the disciplinary action? Well, uh, I think what needs to be noted is that this uh, circular letter from the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith is addressed to the Episcopal conferences throughout the world. And what it's asking all the Episcopal conferences is to uh, develop for their uh, country, because usually Episcopal conferences correspond to a country or a small group of countries, to develop for the diocese within their country some guidelines so that each diocese will then develop its own uh, policies regarding uh, the uh, question of sexual abuse of minors uh, by clergy. Uh, Now, this... uh, 
in Canada, this was done 20 years ago. Uh, in a sense, okay. Canada, I believe, was the first uh, Episcopal conference in the world to have developed guidelines for the diocese within the country on okay. this issue. And so Canada and other countries since then have done the same thing. The United States, uh, the uh, England, uh, wow. Ireland now, I believe Australia has. So various Episcopal conferences over the past 20 years, since Canada produced its own, have developed their own guidelines for the right. dioceses of those countries. Right. What Rome is doing now is, I, I think Rome has studied these various uh, uh, existing uh, guidelines, and inspired by those guidelines, has now uh, established um, its own guidelines for all the Episcopal conferences in the world, okay. and is asking all the other Episcopal conferences to do the kind of work that Canada, the United States, England, and Ireland has already done in, uh, in this area. Okay. So I don't think this uh, new circular will have a major impact in Canada. I've only... Um, looked at it briefly, quickly, but I think that uh, we cover all the grounds that uh, this circular is asking us to cover, and so it will be a question of uh, making sure that we continue to implement this in the correct way. Right, so what are the grounds? Well, uh, the the circular is asking the various conferences to be attentive, first of all, to the victims of, of sexual abuse, uh, to their care, um, and in the process of responding to allegations to uh, verify that the way that they are responding to the allegations shows that care to uh, possible and, and victims uh, of sexual abuse. Um, the, the circular also invites the conferences to pay attention to the question of protection of minors. Uh, for example, in Ontario, about 10 years ago, all the dioceses of Ontario were involved in the implementation of a screening initiative. So that is the kind of protection of minors that Rome is calling for. It's also uh, asking that uh, guidelines be given on the formation of uh, future priests and religious. Uh, and again, this is an issue that the seminaries in Canada are now addressing. Yeah. Uh, the guidelines speak about the importance of accompanying priests mm -hmm. uh, as they, um, if a priest has been uh, accused, yeah. uh, how do we accompany a priest through this? How, how do we deal with priests? So those issues need to be specified in uh, diocesan policies. Right. The cooperation with uh, civil authorities is uh, very important. As a general rule, canon law uh, indicates uh, that when civil and canon law touch on the same subjects, uh, canon law should follow the lead of civil law. Okay. But here, this is this is very important, and it's being made very clear. Uh, and for example, in Canada, I know that this is uh, the now the general practice mm -hmm. that, for example, there is a duty to report if we ex suspect that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a minor is being uh, abused, that we report this to the police or to the Children's Aid Society in Ontario. These these things, um, these stipulations are written right into our protocols now across Canada. So, so those are some of the issues that Rome is specifying need to be considered when developing uh, national guidelines.
and you have the protocol on your website? Yes, uh, as most dioceses in Canada do. Uh, I know that all the, the dioceses in Ontario do. I know the situation more concretely in Ontario, uh, that uh, we have uh, published our diocesan uh, guidelines, our, our policy. And um, as a matter of fact, our own diocese, uh, policy, as in other dioceses, is continually being updated. So ours right. will be updated in the next few weeks. Okay taking into consideration recommendations, further recommendations that have come from uh, the Canadian Conference a couple of years ago, from the Assembly of Bishops of Ontario, of Catholic Bishops of Ontario, okay. and also from a public inquiry that was held here in uh, Cornwall. Uh, so uh, we are in the process of updating our, uh, our diocesan uh, policy okay. on this issue. Okay, so it is a big step for clarification and for helping people with this process. Well, I, I think that this new circular that is coming from Rome is going to be a major step in those countries that have not addressed this issue yet. Uh, many conferences have not had to deal. Uh, you know, uh, there have not been uh, great numbers of allegations that have come up. And so many dioceses, I think, for example, uh, probably in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America, have not had to deal with this. Well, now they are going to be invited, while well, they are invited, by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the uh -huh. Faith to uh, develop uh, guidelines for their own dioceses and asking all the dioceses to develop their own okay. policies. Uh, and uh, they are asking all the conferences, national conferences, to send in their, um, their proposed uh, guidelines. Uh, I think Rome really wants to keep abreast of what is going on throughout the world on this issue. Bishop Paul Andre, thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, you're very welcome. Thank you. That was Bishop Paul-André Durocher, Bishop of Alexandria, Cornwall. I spoke to him earlier this week. Here now is John Michael Talbot with Worship and Bow Down. Let us 
John Michael Talbot with the title track of his new album, Worship and Bow Down. Now, I don't need to spend too much time introducing John Michael Talbot. He has been featured on Salt and Light Radio before, and we have played his music, but never, never as a featured artist. And while I've met him many times and interviewed him twice for our TV program, Catholic Focus, I've never interviewed him on Salt and Light Radio. Last I spoke to him, his community was recovering from a fire that took the common building and the chapel of the Little Portion Hermitage where he lives with his community of brothers and sisters of charity. Now, out of the fire, John Michael, literally out of the fire, John Michael has been busier than ever with over 150 concert dates last year and the same number program for this year, plus two new books. And, as if that's not enough... John Michael teamed up with Oregon Catholic Press for a new album, we've been listening to it, Worship and Bow Down, ready to drop on June 21st. So we have a lot to talk about, and John Michael Talbot joins me now on the phone. John, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, it's good to be back. So you know what, I was thinking, it wasn't the last time uh, we spoke, but I think the time before, we, uh, we did an interview for Catholic Focus, and I distinctly remember you saying that you felt that God was telling you that John Michael Talbot must die, and that that was going to be the end of the music, and now we have a new album. So what's up with that? Well, I mean, in a sense, I've gone through a death and resurrection. I went into more intense reclusion and solitude. And then after a few years of that, um, uh, it was like the Lord was saying, well, okay, I've given you all this. Now I want you to share it. So... (laughs) I've gone from Paul the Hermit to Paul the Apostle <laughs> in terms of models. Uh, I'm in my Pauline mode and uh, just busier, uh, you know, than I've ever been, and feeling great. Basically, since uh, oh, I guess the last two years or so in the United States, people have been terribly discouraged right. and depressed, and yeah. it's because of the sex scandals in the church. It's because of the recession. It's because of political polarization. Mm-hmm. Um, folks are just, you know, they're discouraged. Yeah. So I think this is a time to go out and share good news, to give people faith and hope, uh, to give them some peace. Yeah. And uh, so we go into parishes now uh, with one to three night uh, events. Uh-huh. And I'm doing a combination of music, motivational speaking, leading people into deep meditation and calling them to conversion. And we are just seeing uh, an overwhelming response uh, among Catholics, because quite frankly, Catholics aren't real used to having this kind of ministry in their no, parish. No, that's true. And, and, and so, Pedro, we, we wanted, you know, we have the New Roman Missal yeah. coming uh, in Advent, and I got inspired to set it to music. Okay. Uh, and I went to Oregon Catholic Press, because they're the largest publisher of Catholic music. Right. Uh, and I said, um, you interested? And they said, yeah, but we want you to do a new setting of Psalm 95. We'd uh, like you to do a Hail Mary. Right. We'd like you to do a Eucharistic communion song that 
blends the notion of reception of the Eucharist with adoration of the Eucharist, because especially with a lot of younger Catholics that are kind of neoconservative, and they haven't really had a chance to have their theology deepen yet. Uh They want fundamentals, but they haven't gone deep. And so they're, they're subtly separating the adoration of the Eucharist from the reception of the Eucharist. So I did a, a Eucharistic song using some of the language of St. Bonaventure from the 13th century. Yeah. And so, uh, and then I, I, the, the Mass, we used a contemporary chant setting, uh-huh. which I'm real pleased with. It kind of brings together the ancient and the modern, the East and the West, musically, and uh, the chant works really good because, you know, the new translation isn't all that singable in places. That's it's true. theologically specific. That's true. But it's hard to sing. That's true. So uh, the, the chant really, really seemed to be the way to go to make yeah. it work. And so I'm real pleased with it. I'm yeah, really no, it sounds really good. We haven't been playing the mass parts. We've been playing some of the other songs. But I, I, I certainly, I, I was going to ask you about that, about the mass. But just a note for anyone that uh, might be tuning in at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara, man. We're speaking with John Michael Talbot about his new album, Worship and Bow Down. Is it, do you think it's a coincidence that it's a mass? So this album that, in a, in a sense, is the first album since the fire and since this period of, of, of reclusion. Because um, your first album in 1979 was also a mass. Do you think yeah. there's a connection there? A yeah, a lot of people are saying that this is that has the similar kind of sense of rebirth the as the Lord's Supper. Yeah, I I can't speak to that. I will tell you that I've been getting you know Christianity Today and and folks like that are reviewing the record, and one of the the evangelical Protestant reviewers said it seems that the Mass uh, is a real is a real powerful thing for Talbot. <laughs> I felt like saying, well, yeah, dummy, I'm Catholic. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it, uh, it is true that through the years, you know, uh, the Mass itself continues to be a source of, of inspiration, and I continually uh, put the liturgical texts of the Eucharistic liturgy to music. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I suspect I will do it until... Yeah. you know, the day I stopped yeah. composing. Yeah, you and everybody else, because, I mean, the, I, I think I heard somebody once say that the, the, the only real Catholic radio station is the Mass, because that's really when we really get to listen to true Catholic music. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. The, you know, the other, the other thing is, is that we Catholics sometimes get almost obsessive about the Mass, <laughs> and we forget that there are other expressions of the faith, true. Uh, both communally and privately, that are exceedingly important. They aren't mm-hmm. more important than the Mass. Mm-hmm. But, for instance, in Benedictine spirituality, yeah. the liturgy of the hours, or the work of God, is given the same language that the Church gives the Mass, namely it's the source and summit of uh, our life. Uh-huh. And that brings out that, uh, you know, the Catholic Church is big, and our prayer life is big. Our evangelistic efforts are big. Our social input is big. Yeah. Uh, and, and we want to be careful not to just limit it to one aspect or the other. The, but the Eucharist is definitely the absolute source and summit of the Catholic experience. Absolutely. And so musically, it's great to reflect that. Yeah. Let me ask you about the, the, at least the two latest books, The Blessings of St. Benedict and The Universal Monk. Yeah. So these are uh, very much rooted in, in your monastic tr- tradition. Right? Yes, yeah. yes, very much. 
And, you know, uh, in the book, The Rise of Benedict the Sixteenth. um, about the inner workings of the conclave, Mm -hmm. the author brings out that one of the Pope's uh, visions is to see the new communities of the Church become, as it were, laboratories where a uh, transcendent uh, truth and values based on Christ and the Church are lived in a countercultural way. Okay. and we really feel that our community is a part of that movement. We are People have been calling it the new monasticism. Okay. It's basically bringing the ancient monastic experience into the future and extending it from the ancient past into the modern experience. And it's more integrated. The, experience, the, 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 the forms of monasticism were just wide and varied in the early Church. Right. Uh, the more we study, the more we realize that there wasn't just one way to do it. So uh, our community really is based on integrating celibate monks, celibate sisters, singles who can marry or might need to have some private property because of personal responsibilities, and then families in one integrated monastery. And then we have a domestic expression of men and women who live in their own homes. And, And, you know, down here in the States... You know, we spend a lot of time in Texas. Texas is the fastest-growing state in the United States, uh-huh. and there's lots of Catholics there. So uh, down in Texas, everybody wants to be a monk, but nobody wants to give up their pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the domestic expression is a great way for folks to actually join the community, and yet they stay in their own family in the secular world, they become great sources of renewal in the parish, and they also become great sources of renewal in the society in which we live. Right. So, um, you know, the community is part of that. The books are coming out of that experience, mm-hmm. taking the ancient monastic heritage and really applying it to people of all states of life, whether they live in monasteries okay. or whether yeah. they associate with monasteries or whether they're just secretly monks in their heart. Right. So, yeah. And... Okay. Um, yeah, and the blessings of Benedict, which is coming out at the end of the summer, is uh, is going through the rule of St. Benedict and applying it to contemporary and modern life. So it's a, it's a bit of a challenge. You know, I mean, how do you take a chapter on uh, disciplining children mm, <laughs> in yeah. the rule of Benedict yeah. uh, and apply that to a modern setting? So I think... I think I did it pretty successfully, and they're supposed to be short meditations on each chapter. It's not a big scholarly treatment. It's a very short application overview uh, based on scholarly studies that I've, of course, immersed myself in and read through the years. Right, and so The Blessings of St. Benedict will be released at the end of the summer, and The Universal Monk is, is already out, correct? It's out. It's and, out, and, and uh, Worship and Bow Down is available now for digital download. Right. And it'll come out as a CD uh, June 21st. That's correct. So, um, and all that, people can just go to your website, johnmichaeltablet.com, and they can find out how to order, They're ordered from you directly, or even the iTunes download, they can get it directly off your website, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, Pedro, I think we're going to be coming up to Canada. Too. Yeah, no, that's the plan. I, I understand you're coming up in November, so into the Toronto area. So. Yeah. We'll be there. Yeah, cool. Anyway, John, that's all, all the time. Right, that's all the time we have. But again, a reminder, the album Worship and Bow Down is going to be released on June 21st. But if you can't wait that long, it's available for digital download off iTunes. Go to johnmichaeltalbot.com 
for more information. John Michael Talbot, he joined us on the phone from Minneapolis where he is on tour. And now here is John Michael Talbot from the same album, Worship and Bow Down, with his song, Hind's Feet on High Places. Oh, a thousand may fall at your side And ten thousand may fall at your right Your soul it will never approach For God is faithful Though the flocks disappear from the fold And there be no herd in the stall Yet I will rejoice in God my Savior For God, my God is my strength And He makes my feet swift as those of mine God, my God is my strength And He makes me to go up high Feed on high places. And that's it for this week's summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. Remember that you can stream or podcast this show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. We love your emails. Write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been the summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. <laughs>